I am just now, after having done it all my life, and and I mean, I've only been doing magic full time for about like four or five years, but I am just now getting comfortable with saying it, right? Like getting comfortable with like saying like, I'm a magician and it not feeling like I say to someone, I'm a vampire. Hey, Brian Miller here, and welcome back to One New Person, the show where we take a closer look at chance encounters to remind ourselves that everyone and every interaction is meaningful. Today's guest is Jonah Babbins, a Canadian professional magician, producer, and fellow podcast host. His show, Discourse in Magic, brings on magicians and variety entertainers to discuss theory and business rather than tricks. He was gracious enough to invite me on his show back in 2017, and now that I have my own, I thought it'd be fun to flip the script. In this episode, we discuss why you should deeply consider how you do the things you do, how to put more of yourself into your work, and, of course, his story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. All right, Jonah, thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate your time. Super happy to be here. Pumped to be with you. Yeah, man. I mean, we met because of your podcast, which it's discourse in magic, right? Yep. Not, yep. not, I always want to say discourse on magic. And by the way, if that's grammatically incorrect, it's because we're stupid. It's not because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't intentional. Actually, we had the conversation many times as to whether it was discourse on a discourse on magic or disc or a discourse in magic. And we went with a disc discourse in magic because it just felt like the right one, but never mind that it's grammatically wrong as a name. I don't know. No, no, it's fine. I just want to make sure that I say it right. But yeah, having, having said that you are a magician by trade. What does that mean to you? Whoa, starting out hot. What does it mean to me that I'm a magician by trade? So let me let me see if I can better understand what you're at. So what do you mean, what does it mean to me in terms of what? This is a common theme with Jonah. He likes to ask for clarification. And you'll find out why as we get further into the conversation. Like a background or tell me about like... The, no, like, I, don't, I don't really care how you got into magic. Everybody's got the same story about how they got into magic. You discovered that. You've done how many hundred episodes? Yeah, on your, everybody's so. got everybody but three people has the same story. So I'm not interested <laughs> in how you got in, which grandfather gave you what trick, right? right? I'm interested in you are a magician. When you think of that, when you tell that story to yourself, when you tell other people that you're a magician, what is, how does that make you feel? What is that? Awesome. So, so more along the lines of the self-talk about what, what that means. So First of all, I will say that I am just now, after having done it all my life, and and I mean, I've only been doing magic full time for about like four or five years, but I am just now getting comfortable with saying it, right? Like getting comfortable with like saying like, I'm a magician and it not feeling like I say to someone, I'm a vampire, right? Like, and, and, and people give you that look when you say I'm a magician, they look at you like you have to figure out a way to make it what I used to say to people is I used to say I'm a magician and then and I, I and then they would smile and I would say you can laugh by the way people laugh right and and it was sort of a defense mechanism because people don't know how to respond and they kind of like chuckle and smile and then I'm kind of like I give them the permission for the response that they wanted to do but anyways the reason I bring that all up is because only now am I a lot more comfortable with what I do because I perform magic and I also produce magic shows and I feel that I have enough under my belt and that I I do enough with magic day to day that I don't 
I don't feel like an imposter. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm happy to say when I'm a magician, that feels to me like I'm an entertainer, I'm a performer, I'm a producer. And and it also, one of the things that it means when I say it, not that it telegraphs, but what it means when I say it is, and this is something that's been so hard for me, is that I'm an artist and a creator in the sense that like, I'm a magician. So that means that when you're at work doing taxes or whatever nonsense, I'm at home figuring out magic, working on magic, writing scripts, making making a, a performance more entertaining, more impact. Like I'm doing the work of an artist. And that's one of the things that I feel now when I say it. Who knows if it's telegraphed? I don't know what other people think. But when I say it, uh, you know, the confidence comes from those things. And I feel that I perform many times a week. So I feel that when I'm saying a magician, I'm not just saying like, I'm a magician because I have a website. Like I'm a magician because it's what I do. You know, I produce shows, I work with magicians and I create magic and I spend my time doing. So you hit on a lot of different aspects of kind of the, what we, what we call the magic industry, which to anybody who's not a magician sounds like a kind of a silly term, but it is an industry like any other industry. And you hit on being a performer, but you also use the word producer, which I've almost never heard a magician actually use that word. And I, I am using it in the strictest, like I produce, so so we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I run a company with a friend of mine, the Toronto Magic Company, and we produce public shows. So I'm not, I'm not savvily saying produce when actually people hire me for events. Like I legit put on like produce shows featuring other people that aren't myself and I sell tickets and I do Facebook ads and it's so like pr- producing. So, so you perform, you produce shows for, for other magicians and you sometimes including yourself, sometimes mm-hmm. not. And you also hit the word artist a bunch of times. And there's a lot of different places that I could go with a follow-up question here. I, I think what I want to ask is of all those different areas, you talked about creating and, and kind of the business of it and the onstage of all the stuff you do in and around magic, what do you love most about it? Of all of the stuff I do, what do I love most about it? Ah, very, very difficult for me to answer. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you some of the reasons why. And I, I don't, I don't want to be the, the first podcast guest that doesn't answer any question, but I do, I, I, it's very hard for me to answer. And I'll put, I'll, I'll go back a little bit in time. So when I was younger and people would ask me if I wanted to be a magician, my answer was no. I didn't want to be a full-time magician. And the reason my answer was no was because I liked magic but I didn't want to do business. I didn't want to deal with websites. I didn't want to deal with, and and forget that some of this is wrong. This was my younger view, but I didn't want to deal with photography. I didn't want to deal with video. I didn't want to deal with ads or Google or marketing or Facebook or paid advert. I mean, there wasn't Facebook when people used to ask me that question, but, or there was, and I, whatever. But, but when I, when I first originally would answer the question, I would say, I don't want to be a magician because I like doing magic, but I don't like all that other crap. Now, you know, I, I went to university, I studied math, and in my studies of math, you know, all I find myself thinking is what, is, and you, you, I can already see you nodding, right? But yeah. my studies of math is I'm thinking like, what is the value of all, what's the point? And then I start learning about business, and then I start, you know, I, I'm finding mentors online in business, not in magic, in business who, I, you know, I'm following from listening to incredible uh, business podcasts like Smart Passive Income, Pat Flynn, um, uh, and some other incredible ones, but that was just the one that that got me into it. And then all of a sudden, I liked business now, and I liked marketing now, and I cared about copywriting now, and I cared about, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what part of magic I like most. I don't know what part of magic I like. You know, part of me feels that 
I, I have tricks. So thankfully I get to spend all my time working on marketing because I have a thing that I really feel comfortable selling. And then the other part of me says the opposite. And it says, uh, uh, marketing, I can always learn how to do it and try more. And that's what allows me to be on stage and do more of the thing that I like to do. So uh, really, I would say it's between, I really do like business and marketing. And that's why, you know, my role often in the production, in the show production, the Toronto Magic Company leans more to the business role instead of the, uh, I mean, obviously I'm also creative in creating our shows and, you know, different things like that. But when push comes to shove, I'm usually the person doing things that are along the lines of Facebook ads, marketing, copywriting, whatever, because I do love that stuff, but I also love magic. And I know that I love magic because when I spend too much time producing shows that I don't star in, you know, I'm looking up at the performers on the stage. And go, I can do that. I should, I should be the one up there. I should. So, so I like, I, I like them both. I like marketing a product that I feel really confident in. And I like being able to, you know, go on stage and perform and, and, and create new moments. And I, I like it all. So interesting that you, I, I don't think maybe you realized it, but you, you and I took a very similar path there, which is that um, I had never even imagined marketing as something, I, I didn't even know what marketing was. I thought marketing was advertising and it's not. I am so much more excited about the marketing end of things, you know, than I am about the on stage. Not that I don't, like you said, not that I don't love being on stage, but I have a show now. Like, it's not like when right. I was younger where I was still, like, I still, my show still wasn't very good or there were pieces that weren't good enough yet. Like, now it's like, yeah, I can walk up pretty much, you know, blindfold. In the middle of the no night, someone will wake you up and you go, great, is my yeah, bag packed? Come Let's on. Go. I know my first totally. line. Let's go. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And it, is and only, if, it is only until recently for me, I guess not super recently, but, but part of it has to do with, and we're going to talk based on the theme of the episode about one of the people that's helping me do this a lot. But, you know, recently, it, the idea is you look at it and you say, if my marketing is better than my show, then my show has to get better. And then if my show is better than my marketing, then my marketing needs to get better. And that's the constant fight. So the truth is now, while once I did kind of feel like I have a show, now I have to sell it, really is, it does feel like it's a tug of war between both sides. And it's like, wow, my marketing looks way better than my show. No one would realize how how shitty I really am. Now I have to get better, right? And then when my show is all good and I look at these weird old videos that I had, now I'm like, oh, now I got to make all my marketing better. And now I have to, so really it's like, think of it year one, year two, or six months, six months, you know, but that's kind of what it is in terms of my personal uh, uh, stuff, which is, yeah, I used to feel that way with the show, but because of the Toronto Magic Company, because we see a lot of the same people coming to events, I have a duty to create more. And also I grow to enjoy it. And, you know, I have a magic podcast. I interview magicians about creating magic. I'm like, I want to create magic. I don't want to just sell tickets to the same old shit that I've been doing, right? Isn't it interesting though, that both areas, the on stage and then the marketing and the business side, fundamentally if you really strip away all of the technique, because doing a card trick is very different than running a Facebook ad, but at the end of it, we're going for the same thing. We're trying to reach people and give them something that, 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 will, that they will enjoy. If you want to get even more specific than that, something that recently blew my mind is I'm a really big fan of uh, a specific guy named Neville Medora, and he's a copywriter, and he runs something online called Copywriting Course with 2K. Jonah here is referring to copywriting with a W, which is the act of writing text for the purpose of marketing, not copyright 
which is the legal defense of original work. And I recently bought his course. It's a few hundred bucks. You learn copywriting. But what was really interesting is in it, everything he was saying about writing and copywriting was not only applied to magic, but it was the lessons that no one ever taught me in magic. You know, a standard one is ADA, right? The the formula is ADA, attention, interest, uh, desire, and then action, right? And it's like, no one ever taught me that the first thing I have to say in a magic trick should gather attention. The next one should do it. Like, and obviously this is copywriting. This is to sell someone something, but we're on stage, we're performing, we're entertaining. We're kind of selling. selling them something. So, you are? so even more than them just looking the same and feeling the same, they're both copywriting. How I can get ideas from my brain to your brain the best way possible. And, and as you know, from, from everything I bang on about in my work and in, you know, my, my book and my speeches and stuff, the biggest change in my personal life and in the business end of my magic career uh, came actually, so I did it, I learned it the other direction that you did on stage. I, I was, I was, I intuitively understood how to take on the perspective of the audience to kind of bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. And then it was, it took years and years before I realized I should be doing the same thing in my personal life. And I should be doing the same thing in my marketing and in my copywriting and in my business. And by the way, by the way, something you just touched on that's really important is in, in your personal life. And it's like, this is when I was reading this information about marketing and reading this information about like convince, getting someone from point A to point B. And I'm watching and I'm like, what, what have I been doing? And like that, it's not, not, not like, uh, like things have always been working. People have been liking my magic, but like, what path was I following? One of my favorite, uh, 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 motivational speakers, Drew Dudley says something incredible. Do you know who that is? I, I don't actually. He's fantastic. He he wrote. I'll I'll pull his book from the other shelf. But I'm writing it really down. fantastic. Um. Uh, but he says something incredible where he talks about values that you live your life by. And he says, if you don't have a set of values that you live your life by, then what in the world were you using to help you make decisions up until now? And that's what this made me think of, right? Which is like, what was I doing to convince someone from point A to point B if it wasn't using actual techniques and methods <laughs> to do that? And even for you know the podcast that I have, originally the thought was well i'll just press record and then i'll i'll figure it out and then but really what happened is i listened to a lot of podcasts and some of the ones that stuck with me are the formats and the structures that i used there was something from a class that i took in in high school where the teacher did something at the end called a take home point and it was that it's a long class and you remember this from the podcast but there's a long class and that you know we learned a lot and can we distill the whole class into one moment or one uh, idea that's so important? And now at the end of every podcast, I do that so that the people at home can, you know, you hear a lot, I don't want it to all blend into nothing, that they can distill something. But again, that is a structure that I took from a high school teacher because I knew that it worked and it was way better than me reinventing interviews. <laughs> Another way to think about it is, is the way that you get to add your you to, to the things that you do is the other things that you do and, and, or the other interests that you have. Like I'm a big, I, I, I don't want to get into the debate of nature versus nurture, but in my head to put things as simple as possible, I assume that everything about the way that I am is based on experiences and people that I've spent time with. Hypothetically, that's all wrong. Maybe it was all my parents or whatever. And I'm sure I know it's some blend of it all, but, but th my real point to that is whenever I add me to something, it's the full catalog of all experiences I've ever had up until this moment right now. And, and it's 
uh, it's encouraged, obviously, is what you're saying, but what I'm, you know, reiterating that you add those parts of you. And whether that's like, I'll give you an example. I have a degree in math that I do not use, that I do not use, but I'm waiting for the moment to draw on that for a presentation, for a great email that I send out to people who follow the podcast. Like the fact that I'm using my degree as an idea for a presentation and not, I don't know, to use the degree is funny, but the real way to think about it is I have a full background in math in an area that most magicians do not have a background in. And now by not applying that, by not applying the things that I've learned, I am not adding any me to it. I'm not doing anything new. I'm not doing anything special. And it is in the combination of these things that we reach the new forefront of something, right? A hundred percent. And I don't know if you know this, because I don't know if there's any reason it would have come up when I was on your show, but I have a bachelor's of science in math. That's my background. I, I have a I have a philosophy degree, which is what people do know about me. I got that two I degrees knew, that, that, I, I knew. that I've never used both. Um, but of course, <laughs> but I but I have I've used right. them both, and that's that I I joke about it. But me too, me but, too. And and I sell and I sell myself short on the fact that like all the logic and reasoning and all that stuff that I learned in math are what allow me to be what everything I am. Like I said, all of the experiences that I had up until this moment are what makes me the me that I am right now. You know that the purpose of this show, of course, is about chance encounters and the kind of ripple effect that they can have on our lives. Uh, you've bounced around a whole different uh, bunch of names, people, and you had mentioned earlier, you had alluded earlier to- You did allude. You did. You allude. Uh, you you alluded to a story that you have, uh, so I'm just going to stop talking and let you tell it. Sure. So- uh, the story dates back to 1850. No, um, it, uh, I guess I was in grade six or seven. So it's 2006. There's my Canada showing. I say grade six instead of sixth grade, but, um, it, 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 uh, it was probably like, yeah, 2006 or five. And, and I'd been doing magic all my life people still knew me in school as the kid who did magic whatever i always feel about magic that there's the trick that got you into magic and then there's the trick that keeps you into magic because a lot of people when they meet me they say oh i used to do magic and then i jokingly say and then you grew up but but what i mean by that is there was nothing that made you just decide to keep fiddling with this stuff and i think that every magician needs a good a good fooling when they're young you know to know that there's more to it and the same is true for every industry there's an expert in the industry that says like the more you learn the more you realize how little you know like every industry has someone who says that so it's true across the board but anyways it was 2006 or 5 or something like that and i was up at camp rama which is a jewish summer camp that i went to and to put in perspective how i felt about magic i had at home what all magicians have which is a, a giant chest full of stuff like little doohickeys and stuff and I didn't really, I didn't bring any magic up to camp. All I brought is I went to the dollar store and I bought a deck of cards that was so obviously a dollar store deck of cards because there was a flower pointing one way. So if you turn the card upside down, it was an upside down flower. So just so, and there were bridge sized cards, not poker sized standard, just shorter bridge sized cards. And that was what I had. And they were wrapped in an elastic band. They weren't even in a box and they were in like the box that I brought up to camp. And it was because not that I was on the way out of magic, but I didn't want to be around camp doing magic. Like I just, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And and it was potentially on my way out. And up at that camp, someone said, oh, you must meet the guy who 
runs the tuck shop. And a tuck shop is the guy at camp who gives candy to the kids. Uh, And the way they did it at this camp is in order to get the kids to write letters home, the kids give the tuck shop guy the letter. That's the fee. And then the tuck shop guy gives them candy. It's like, and I'll be crazy kids. But anyways, they told me that uh, the tuck shop guy was a magician um, and that I should meet up with him. So I found him. I said, let's meet up. And we decided to meet up the next day uh, which was uh, Saturday at camp. So they didn't have any scheduled program activities. You kind of just wander around and hang out. So I met up with him at, I think we decided to meet at 11 and then 1130, he wasn't there. 12, he wasn't there. And I was like, where is he? 1230, he finally shows up. Um, And he was gracious. So that was Ben Train. And I'll tell you a little bit about who that is uh, later. But um, he, uh, he was very gracious. And first he asked to show me if, for me to show him some magic. So I showed him a trick or two and it was weird stuff that I, I I had thought that I had created. And even in just talking about it, he had taught me a lot. So first of all, he was really open to hear about like why I did the certain things that I did. And then there was something that I, I did and I said, oh, this is, this is a trick that I came up with. And, and he said, um, if you think you came up with this trick, then you haven't read enough. And I said, oh, you're probably right. Um, but then he said, can I show you something? I said, sure. And he started shuffling his cards. There's the mic so you can hear it. Uh, he started shuffling his cards and he was legitimately shuffling the cards. And he said to me, name a card game. So Brian, name any card game. War. Okay. Oh, do you know the story? No, I don't. Oh, okay. oh, oh, the reason I said that is because I've literally asked this. I've told the story hundreds of times and no one ever, ever says war. Oh, I said, war. first, I first said game war. that came in mind. Okay, well, me too, apparently. So I said <laughs> war and he took the cards and he dealt one for me, one for him, but, 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 but through the entire deck. And then we played and he won every hand, but to be more specific, he had eight through ace and I had two through seven just mixed up. So every card he put down, he had the king or a, or an eight or a 10. And I had a two or a six or a four, the whole thing. And it was so unfathomable to me because everything I understood about magic, sleight of hand, maybe advanced preparation, maybe think nothing made any sense. I said, number one, he was shuffling the cards. And number two, I named the card game. Had I said, go fish, he, it would have not worked. So, and all of these things in my head chasing each other saying, does everyone say war or, or, or could he possibly have shuffled it into order immediately after I said war is shuffling things into order, a thing that can actually ha- right? So all of a sudden my brain exploded and, and that was the moment that I kept in magic. Cause there was a giant chip on my shoulder that was, this isn't just learn more. There's, you know, there's actually like a real big world of stuff that you don't know so much. So that there was a card trick sitting across the table from you using a card game that you named. And it's like, impossible it was a great it was a great moment and it also began a relationship where he became first he was my magic teacher so i i would like hired him a few times to teach me magic and to help me with my magic when i was younger uh which was you know very costly it was a lot of money um then i saw him a lot at the magic camp which was in toronto which doesn't run anymore but um or in canada rather but uh it was called sorcerer safari and he was a counselor um, he was both some years he was my counselor. I was also a CIT. So I was like a counselor in training and I, he, I was his counselor in training. When I found out I was his counselor in training, he left a message on my voicemail that said he tried to trade me for a slice of bread. I went away to school. 
Um, and when I, I produced my first magic show up in Kingston, Ontario, which is, I went to school up at Queens and I put on my first magic show and I just posted it online and said, Hey, anyone want to come? I mean, most of the people I was selling tickets to were in Kingston and on his birthday, he drove down with another magician about, it's about a four hour, three hour drive from Toronto. And he drove down to see a show at 830. It was his birthday to see a show at 830 at night. The show was an hour or so. And then he drove back with this other magician. I don't know what lengths he must have went through to convince the other magician to, you know, come with. Um, but since then, uh, we we became very close friends. And then we launched this Toronto Magic Company together. And now he's my roommate. And we both, we we run this company and we do it from our house, uh, you know, and every day we work together on on projects. And he's now a friend, you know, he's my roommate, he's my business partner. And and he's someone who who really made it seem possible. That's uh, that's such. I mean, talk about ripple effects. Yeah. I mean, that that's a long tail. I mean, that that goes on and and, and is is continuing. It's still going on. The the two of you are working together on the Toronto Magic Company, which I have to get back. I have to get up to Toronto to to check Please. out. Um, because and we'd I'm, love for you to be on our show, by the way. Oh, I uh, appreciate that. I uh, I don't know if I have anything interesting to do on stage. It's like you said. I think my marketing's better than I am right now. But uh, I'm in that phase right now. I'm like, boy, I, I I'd hire him. He looks good. <laughs> Staying on the same topic that we are already on with Ben, and I I knew um, I knew this. The listeners didn't, but I knew because I know Ben that he has a background in philosophy, not just a background, but a very significant totally. dedication and, to and, and, uh, academic philosophy. I'll show you a photo of our bookshelf. A significant section of the library too. Yeah. Oh, you should see. You should see a different room in my house. Yeah. It's just philosophy books, yeah. top to bottom. What I wonder is because I have a philosophy degree and a math degree, and so I know those are two fields that seem like they would be very different from each no, other. That same. are very they're much similar yeah, they're totally because they're the both same. based on logical yeah. structures. But my 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 question is, math tends to be more rational, more rigid. Philosophy tends to be more creative by its nature. Do you feel like working with Ben, that the two of you have had that kind of um, back and forth help with each other? A million percent, yes. And, and you know, I'll give you, I'll draw on a recent example where he brought up an, a new event that we could potentially be producing. And he painted a picture of what the event would look like. And my immediate response is, I don't think we can sell that many tickets at that price. And then he's like, forget the practicality for a second. Just picture the event and let's picture if this is like a great event. And I'm like, how can I picture an event when you're giving me mechanics that do not fit together? Like this doesn't work. And he's going, forget that. Just is this the way, is this the the way that we want to do this, right? And we come to that butting heads all the time where or I'm trying to be real, real practical and he's trying to be really creative. And I'll be honest, I'm thankful that he is creatively pushing me because I know what my, I do enough projects on my own that I know how my structured belief lets me grow. And it's like, it's linear, right? And and taking risks and stuff is what makes growth look exponential. And I'm real into linear growth. But what I really mean by that is like, I'm really into things making sense, things working, the structures, the mechanics, everything fitting, like me knowing that things are going to work before they do it. I like to, if I'm launching something new, I like to pre-sell it to people so I don't have to make it before I know they want it. Like I am obsessed with the ideas 
that are related to like making sure things work and minimizing risk and whatever. And then, but some of the times to throw a big giant party to rent a five, not, none of this we did, but to rent a thousand person theater, you can't know that all the tickets are going to sell before you rent the theater. And like, that's the only way to have a thousand seat theaters. Someone's got to say, here's the money for the theater. And they got it. So I am very thankful that he pushes and prods me to take more risks. And I'm sure he's thankful that, that I, you know, ground some of his ideas and try to make things as practical as possible. Awesome. Well, I think that is a a perfectly good uh, place to end. So, well, I will say three things. So, first is if you uh, have any interest in in me for some strange reason, or you live in Toronto, uh, JonahBabbins.com, you can find me. If you live in Toronto or going anywhere near Toronto anytime, definitely check out Toronto Magic Company, particularly because the number of shows that we're producing is just going up and up and up. So, odds are, even if you're here for a night, uh, there's probably a show. And if you send me a message and you say, "I heard you on Brian's podcast," I'll hook you up with free tickets. Don't about it um and the 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 third thing is if you care about magic or want to start caring about the magic go take a peek at the podcast discourse magic.com there's a page called get started which is going to be as clear as possible to get you started if you're interested in that kind of thing and the most important thing really that i do want to share is um for people to go and take a peek at your book, to be honest with you. What was interesting is I was I, I was just telling you a little bit about how Ben and I yell at each other. And he not only after reading the book uh, is much easier to converse with and talk with about these things, but he'll often uh, bring things up like he'll say, um, when, like, let's say we have a big meeting at our house. When people leave the house, he'll say, uh, I don't know if you noticed this because you're probably not finished his book, but a lot of the people were introverted. And I don't think that we were interacting with them in a way that, you know, would have allowed them to to speak up and share their ideas. And talk. so so it's just really is just that, like, these are ideas that you can notice in your everyday life. These are and and, and that really help. And to be honest, this is weird because I'm giving a glowing review of a book that I haven't read yet. But I'll, I'll tell you that, honestly, if you work in a team, um, I would say either buy multiple copies, one for everyone on the team or buy one and pass it around because I just know how much more effective we communicate after he read your book. So who knows how much better it'll be after I read it, but after he read it, it made a big impact. So, Well, that was unexpected. I did not ask for or pay for that glowing review, but thank you for that. Well, you can either cut it out and share it somewhere else or leave it at the end. So, so people, I don't know, whatever you want. All right, before you find a deck of cards and try to remember that one trick you learned in middle school, here are a few takeaways from this episode. First, whatever you do, Be intentional in your approach. Think carefully about how you're doing it and why it matters. Figure out your values and use them as a compass, not just in your personal life, but also in your work. Second, instead of trying to, quote, be yourself, add your you by drawing on your interests outside of your given field. And finally, just because you think differently than someone else doesn't mean you can't work together. In fact, it's often in that tension that we create something worthwhile. And remember, if you're into magic, check out Jonah's amazing podcast, Discourse in Magic, at discourseinmagic.com. I'll leave a link to my episode in the show notes on onenewperson.com. And if you're in the Toronto area, find a show at torontomagiccompany.com and mention this podcast, One New Person, for some free tickets. I'm Brian Miller. This is One New Person. And we'll see you next time.